Reintroducing the Iced Apple Crisp Oat Milk Macchiato from Starbucks. Now with Starbucks Blonde Espresso and Oat Milk, layered with flavors of apple, cinnamon, and brown sugar, and topped with a spiced apple drizzle. Welcome back, fall. Order today with the Starbucks app. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue, live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, Dr. D, PhD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. All right, we're here with Michelle Inglehart and Leslie Goyette, uh, the creators of Maysville, the movie, which was a really awesome movie. Thank you, ladies, for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. So I definitely watched the movie, as we were saying <laughs> before we started, and I found it very, very interesting just kind of weaving through this tale. But before we get into the movie, how did you two meet? <laughs> So Leslie and I both have kids who do some acting uh, for commercials, film, TV, and uh, she's in Portland. I'm in Seattle, but uh, one of my children, my daughter and uh, her son were together in a commercial, uh, DreamWorks commercial about eight years ago, right, Leslie? I can't believe it was that long ago. Um, Yeah, so that's how we met and we kept in touch over Facebook casually, you know, um, after spending the week together filming that commercial. And, uh, and then one day Leslie pinged me and said, Hey, I saw Forrest, my son in a short film. And I just think he'd be great for this script I'm writing. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know this lady, but that's kind of (laughs) cool. And okay. I guess she writes script, writes, um, she, she writes her own scripts. Apparently, uh, what I didn't know or quickly found out is that I was one of the first people she had shown any script she's ever written. Um, to anybody else but herself and her, and her husband. Um, and uh, so anyway, she sent me the script and I absolutely just fell in love with it. So that was the Maysville script. The first, the setup of Maysville is the, um, the part uh, with the young leads, the kids. And it just, it just ripped me right, right from the, yeah. within just a few pages. So. Wow. That's amazing. One thing led to another. Here we are. How'd you come up with the idea for this movie? What was the kind of genesis for that? What's the beginning of this idea? Well, like Michelle said, you know, I have been, and Dr. D, I know you're going to understand what I say when I say this. I've been a closet writer for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And I've never shared my stories and my writing with anyone because when you share something that you write, I, I compare it to letting someone see you naked because <laughs> it's a part of you, right? Yeah. It's something that you completely created from beginning to end. And, you know, people can kind of judge your intelligence. People can kind of judge your talent. They can, you know, so for me, I would 
write all the time, but I would never share it with anyone because I was too afraid um, of letting anyone see it. Um, so I had actually uh, been working with another couple of young filmmakers on another project, and they really wanted to, they wanted um, help in learning how, you know, making a film beginning to end. So I was you know, kind of helping them out a little bit. And, um, they wanted to use my son on one of their projects, on this project. And they kept saying, you know, what kind of ideas? We want a Stranger Things kind of thing and so on. Mm. And that, you know, horror is just not my thing. It's just <laughs> not my thing. So I was started writing Maysville about, you know, young boys and so on. And I kind of based the characters on me and my sister growing up. Um, I grew up in Appalachia, a very poverty-stricken area. We were poor growing up as kids. And so the story came fast, really, really fast, because I knew the area, I knew, you know, the relationship, the relationship with me and my sister. So it was really easy to put on paper. And it, it grew so fast. Well, the other filmmakers weren't interested in doing a, a period. Piece. A period, they yeah. They weren't interested with their horror genre, which was fine. It was totally fine. But Maysville grew out of that. Wow, that's interesting. And this was, if, correct me if I'm wrong, a first time feature length film, correct for both of you? First film, period. Okay, period. so how did you even like start this process? I mean, you hadn't done this before. How did you even begin this whole journey? Like, <laughs> I, you know, Leslie is a risk, more of a risk taker than me. So, you know, she, she after I read the script, she came, uh, she drove up to Seattle. Uh, with her son and we went through a table read and after the table read where we just read through the script together um out loud uh but after the table read she you know she said to me hey we're two women we can do this we don't we've never done it before but i think i think we can we can do this do you want to do this with me because i've never done this before and i need <laughs> help i was like dang i would never ask honestly i would never like i would that's such a crazy idea i would <laughs> even think of it let alone ask some person i didn't well, know very well between the two of us, between Michelle and I, our kids had done a lot of um, projects. And we had been on the lowest project you can get with no budget, student films. And then, you know, they had worked for DreamWorks and NBC and Sci-Fi Channel. So we had, between Michelle and I, we had really seen the scope of different filmmaking. Lots of money and no money. And we knew um, a lot of the roles that it took to bring together a project. We knew who the AD was, and we knew who the second AC was, and we knew who the gaffer was, and we knew who the BP was. And because that's who we talked to, you know, in the downtime when the actors are doing their thing and so on. And we, we actually learned a lot uh, just by being parents on a set. And so, I really said, you know, Michelle, I know you're a smart woman. You are so smart. And I'm very creative <laughs> when it comes to getting things done. And there is not another person on this planet that can do a more precise spreadsheet than this woman right here. And if there was anyone who was going to keep us on a budget, it was Michelle. And, you know, she's like, this is what we're going to need. And I'm like, well, my job to figure out how we're going to do it. Between the two of us, it it really blended well. It's a great partnership. 
I do think there's an element of fate. I mean, she did not, Leslie did not know I was maybe good at a spreadsheet or what, my skill set in general. She might have had a hunch, I don't know, a sixth sense maybe, Leslie. But um, I do think there's an element of fate, you know, and I, I don't, I'm not one to really believe in fate. But in this case, I just kind of think, wow, how did this land in my lap? Not only that, but how, we got it done. I mean, for two women, two people who have never done anything like this before, somehow we put our get heads together, we took a big jump, and we went for it, and we somehow got it done. Looking back, I just I, it boggles my mind sometimes that so, it, we did it. Yeah, no, it's ama it's amazing. I love the product. So, okay, I have a this maybe have a question. So, what was easier than you thought about the process, and what was harder than you thought about doing this? Oh, that is a good question. question. No one's ever asked us that before. What was easiest? I think you know what? I'll tell you what came to us really easy and it, it shouldn't have. It should not have come to us easy was locations. We found one central location. And when you watch the film, first of all, we're doing a period piece set in the 1920s, which is insane. Even major studios that have millions of dollars will back up and rethink about doing a period piece because they're so expensive. Mm. So we found this one centralized location right exactly in the middle of Portland and Seattle. Uh, two tiny little sister towns called uh, Centralia and Chehalis. And we had 17 period-specific locations that we had to find. And we found them all in one day, just by talking to locals. And there's a local historian there. Her name is Mary Kurtzbein. And she jumped on board to help us. And she's like, oh, you need a, a steam engine? Let me take you. We've got our own. And it's a private steam engine. And then they own their own private track. So we didn't have to jump through any major hoops to get to use those tracks. We had a 1929 courthouse. Oh, got it right here. We, you need a, a mill. Oh, there's a mill just a, a few miles down the road. Um, you need old farmhouses. Oh, and Centralia, Oregon, I mean, excuse me, Centralia, Washington is known as Hub City, USA. And every weekend they have classic car shows. So all we had to do was show up on the weekends and, and get to know these car owners who had all these classic cars from the 20s that we needed to use. Everything that we needed for locations just kind of fell in our lap. We needed a ballroom from the 1920s and we got one. We needed a doctor's office. I mean, everything in one day, location wise, fell into our lap. That's the one easy thing. And it was just all free. Wow. Free. I mean, that's how easy. So, what I was going to say is just finding those two towns. So, Leslie and I agree. I mean, it was just ridiculous how that just also just fell into our laps through another producer we happened to know. He wanted to film something down there that didn't work out. And he's like, hey, you guys might really be, this might be a, a great setting um, for Maysville. And it happens to be equidistant, uh, the two, these two towns between uh, Portland and Seattle, which is where Leslie and I live. So, and then where we got, you know, our cast and crew are also from Seattle and Portland and it just all made sense. Oh, that's incredible. And the people down there the hardest thing as far as the hardest thing I've, i have to go back to probably raising the money it's mm. so hard it's 
so hard, Dr. P, to ask for money and to ask for, you know, friends and family and people that know you extensively and so on, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this project, you know, would you be willing to, to donate to our Indiegogo campaign and, and so on. So I will admit, I think the hardest part was raising the money. I think, I don't think I could do, raise the money again like we did for this film. And the idea is, you know, you go to your friends and family and then their friends and family and just all the connections that you've ever had in life. And you ask this kind of, as I see it, like this one time ask, this one time favor. And then you make this product. And so the product is the film. And then you try to leverage the film to see, you know, if investors would be interested, get, get you to that next, next big rung on the ladder for funding. I do think like you just do this one. <laughs> it was hard um, to fundraise. Once you start asking, though, I think it gets a little easier, just like anything you start doing. Um, but what I would have said, uh, it, I'll just say the hardest thing, one of the hardest things uh, for me, what comes to mind is casting. I thought casting was really hard um, for quite a few of the characters. I mean, Leslie has Leslie, you should really speak to this, too, because you might differ in my opinion, because you wrote it. So you have a vision. Leslie has a vision in her head of these characters. So way closer to these characters than, you know, just a person who's read the script a few times. So um, just trying to figure out, I mean, good acting is so important to a film. I mean, you got a bad actor, it can ruin the film. And we had, even though we fundraised, we did not have much money. We did pay our actors, um, but we didn't have a lot of money. Like, we couldn't get a star. Um, we're in Seattle and Portland, so it's pretty backwater in terms of the entertainment industry. Um, so what do you do? You know, you just try to do what you can to pull the best actors you can in the area. We did find, for some of our leads, we just had to go to L.A. Um, but for the most part, the casting was done out of the Pacific Northwest. And I think we did, in the end, a really good job with casting. And we'd love, I'd love to hear your input. Um for sure, and have an honest conversation. But, um, you know, generally the feedback we get is like, wow, these these actors, I mean, there's nobody, you know, really well known in the film, but they're, they're overall like really solid actors and not just solid actors, but fitting for the role. I thought we did a really good job at casting, but it was hard and it was, it took a long time. Yeah, I, I thought the acting was really good. I mean, I, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, I'm just, I try right. not to have too much. I just like, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to watch this. Just, you know, just watch it unfold. And um, actually, I think like the gentleman whose uh, son died, um, his emotion, what I thought was really powerful, I thought just that anger, that constant anger that he had to hold on to that on a regular basis, I feel like it would be hard to do. Um, just constant with that. So, that really spoke to me primarily with the acting. Yeah. And then you don't find out until the very last three minutes of the film why he's holding all of right. that. Right. You know, you think it's one thing, but you've come to find out that there's something else, a complete twist at the end that shines a completely different light on the whole film as to why he is the way he is. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I just... I just, emotion, when somebody emotes something and it feels like real, there's something to that. That's, I, there's, whether it's kind of a violent emotion 
as a sweet emotion, whatever it is, there's something special when someone can go to that place, which I I think was really interesting. What makes me think about what were your emotions? What did you learn about yourself when you were doing this project? Mm. There were a lot of tears for me. Mm. There were a lot of tears. Um, I was really vested with these characters. And, uh, you know, I had slept with them and lived with them in my head for over a year before we had started any kind of um, actual production. And, you know, just seeing these events rolling out in front of my eyes again, you know, it, it was very emotional for me, you know. And, you know, sometimes I would say, you know, we got that on one tape. That's exactly what I wanted. When um, the actor you're talking about, his name is Brian Sutherland. And um, he was, you know, most recently he was in Nicholas Cage's film, Pig. Yeah. Uh, he's, he, he's a really good actor. He's done lots of television and lots of films. And um, he's actually worked with Michelle's children and my children. So that's how we knew Brian. Um, uh, and, and Brian is, you know, loosely based on, you know, someone I knew, you know, uh, and, and so I was able to really communicate with him how to, to read this character. Because if you read the words in the script, it, it can be interpreted so many different ways. But he really was like a boiling pot on the stove, always boiling, but you never knew when it was going to boil over. And um, when he says the line, you know, if my boy has to sleep in the ground, you sure as hell can sleep on it. That was, it was it was really, really yeah. triggering yeah. to say that to, you know, a then 12-year-old little boy. Um, I, you know, for me, it was emotional. It was an emotional moment during filming. Michelle? Um, I would say, <laughs> I, you know, I said earlier, I'm not a risk taker. I feel like most days of filming and a lot of days before filming and after filming, we were taking, I was being pushed behind my comfort zone so very often, which is something I'm not used to on a regular basis. And I feel like it really tested me and kind of made me feel like looking back, I feel like, wow, that made me really feel like alive, like to be totally immersed in something and to try to figure out like how to resolve so many problems that came our way to get this film done safely. And within budget and whatnot and just the crazy stuff that can happen on a film set with a whole bunch of people you feel like you know but you're not you know they're they're not people you work with um you know professionally out these are just people you're pulling together that you know from other places and so you're taking a risk that way so lots of risk taking i really feel like made me learn that i can take on a lot more than i thought i was capable of doing one thing like with it. Michelle, Michelle was our, you know, Michelle is one of our producers, you know, she was all over the insurance side of things. And the barn burn scene just about put Michelle over the edge. <laughs> and, and the, you know, yeah. she's like, oh, this could be an insurance nightmare. This could be awful. This could be horrible. And I'm like, I promise you, Michelle, it's controlled. It's completely controlled. I've got a <laughs> burn truck here. I've got the fire chief here. That's right. And she's like, but you don't know. You guys are inside that barn while it's on fire. I mean, it was just, you know, we, I felt in total control 
But Michelle was like, oh, insurance, insurance, insurance. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the, I mean, it, you know, I heard it from the insurance. They're like, uh, no, this is no. <laughs> so we had to come up with something really creative. You know, we, I mean, I think even the big studios are challenged to, you know, pull up and they do pull it off, but you know, it's insurance can just make you absolutely broke or there's just no way we could afford remotely afford actually doing a true barn burn. So we had to get creative, um, for that scene. And we actually burned, how do you explain it, Leslie, a fence in the foreground, like 20 or 30 feet in front of the actual barn and given, what is it? Foreshortening? The angle yeah, of the camera. It's a, it's a camera trick to make it look like it was at the eave of the roof line. And so it looked like it was the actual barn. And by, by putting placing the actor the way he was and turning the camera at an angle, it made it look like it was the actual barn. And so then we were able to then go back in with special effects and special effects and put the flames on top of the roof of the barn. So we didn't actually burn the barn, but it sure looks like it did. Yeah. It was important to have real flames, I thought, looking back. But, you know, when you think of shows like Game of Thrones, just all those shows that have all the all the uh, fake visual effects um, with the fake flames. It's just, it takes you out of it. It looks like um, a video game. Yeah, it's so obvious, too. Like, that, it feels so like so obvious. Uh, like a buddy of mine, we have a segment of my podcast where it's like we review movies every two weeks. Just like a fun thing. I love doing all different stuff with my podcast. And then we were doing Death on the Nile, I believe, with um, uh, oh, Rana, a great director, yeah. right? Awesome. But the CG was so bad. It was so, And this is like a big movie with huge right. actors. Right. And, and CG so is so advanced how, now. There's no reason for that. It was so obvious how bad it was. It just, it bothered me during the watching yeah. it. So like, I appreciate the commentary about yeah. that. Yeah, no, we agree. Yeah, so that's why it was important to us to have real flames close to the actor. You know, we wanted that. And you know what we ended up using, Dr. P? We ended up using Vaseline. <laughs> that was what we put on the fence because we hired a pyrotechnician and he taught us that what it will do is it burns slowly. So we could do take after take after take and it'll stay in one spot. So however many cuts we make, the flames will be centralized in the same spot. So we literally got all over this fence with Vaseline and lit it on fire because it's petroleum and it burned, but it burned nice and slow and aggressively. And I, I thought that was just brilliant. Yeah, this, this pyrotech, he happens to live in you know one of the towns we filmed in. Just, you know, small town, just they happen to have their local pyrotech. So this really came together. I mean, just the different people was like, like the fate comment makes a lot of sense now. I kid you not. You have no idea when we, we were looking for um, everything that we needed. One of the fundraisers that we did was we held a local dinner and we invited everyone in the community to come to this dinner. And, you know, if you came to the dinner, then you could sign up to be an extra. And that's how we found our town extras, you know? And while we were there at the end of the, the, um, the dinner, we said, okay, well, while we've got you here, these are the things that we need. We need a steam engine, we need a courthouse, we need a doctor's office, we need a general store, we need, you know, uh, cobblestone streets, we need all these old cars and 
And we, oh, and by the way, we need a barn to burn down. Ha ha ha. And by the end of the night, people lined up for us to volunteer and to give us the things that we needed. And all the old cars got them like that. You know, we, we even found a gentleman who was so kind inside his home. He had not changed any of the decor from when he was a little boy and he's in his night. So his home was decorated from the 1920s. It had 1920 wallpaper, it had the stove, the refrigerator, everything from the 1920s. And we were able to do our inside shots inside his home. And the other home that we use, um, it's an actual museum in this town. And it was already furnished and they allowed us to use it as long as we promised not to cause any kind of harm or damage to the property. So those sets were ready to go. All we had to do was walk in. Amazing. What's interesting is like all these amazing things happen. Would you, I'm sure there's other films you want to make in the future. In your mind, you think, would this happen again? <laughs> like, or will you have this expectation like this may not be how this is going to be going in the future? Yeah. I don't think we could get that lucky twice. Right. What do you think, Leslie? You know what? I will be honest with you, Dr. P. I, I, I think what, one of the things that we did was we partnered with these towns and we let them know who we were, what we were doing, what our intention was, and we never once made ourselves out to be something that we were not. And we were honest and we told them that we would need help. And, and, and I think the thing that we learned from this, there were two things that we learned from this is that one, that people want to help people. People genuinely do want to help people, but people are afraid to ask for help. Yeah. We'll just don't ask for help. And so when we tell them that we're going to make a feature film in your small town, they, a lot of people are like, how exciting, you know, this could be something great. I want to be a part of that, you know, being a part of that. And if you watch your credits at the end, you'll see so many people we think, because if it weren't for these people, the film wouldn't have gotten made. So that's one thing we, we definitely learned. And the other thing, Michelle coined this phrase, uh, was the power of the act. And there's so much power behind humbling yourself and showing, you know, just the human side of yourself by asking for help. So the, the worst thing people can say is no. And it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, I remember being kind of like, you know, I'm kind of shy sometimes. We're all, we all have some shyness in us. It's hard to ask. It's hard to ask. But once you start asking, it gets easier. And it's like, oh, the worst they can say is no. <laughs> can't do that you know but so often so much more often than we thought the answer was yes yes and how about this too do you need that like it's ridiculous how supportive these towns were and just also to add um to the the support of those towns so you know we held a dinner we communicated at that dinner what we were doing uh what the movie was about casting you know we need help casting we need these locations as leslie said all these things and i do think that bought us a lot of goodwill and interest i mean these are small towns um in the towns themselves like they they're trying to figure out that whole county lewis county they they're trying to um, figure out how to promote tourism in their county 
And this, um, some people thought, could be one way to do that, to have a film, a historic, you know, period-based 1920s film being made right there in Lewis County. So I do think that helped us as well. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, it's just so interesting, like the behind the scenes, how something gets made, how it comes together. And it also makes me think of the, what was the last day of shooting like? What was, what did, what would take me through that day, like beginning to end? How did that come together? And what were your feelings about it once it wrapped? Well, that's interesting because we, we did three weeks, three six day weeks in a row. And then we had to stop because of that fire scene, because in the state of Washington, on the West Coast in general, you know, we are, we have really bad fires. That's right. So there was a burn ban. You couldn't even have a, a campfire. You couldn't even have your grill in your backyard in the month of August. So we had to wait till mid-September to finish the film. So we wrapped filming in three weeks, and then we came back in three weeks, and we did the last little bit of the film, which was the barn scene. Um, and the very last scene was the really intense scene between little Teddy and Buck. And it's where little Teddy tries to escape through the middle, in the middle of the night and Buck catches him, right? And that film was shot at 2.30 in the morning and it was 25 degrees outside and little Teddy had a tank top on. <laughs> it was freezing. And here they are trying to do this intense scene, right? And we're trying, we're running two cameras because we're trying to get it as a scene like that. You really don't want to repeat over and over. It's hard. It's hard on the actors to stay in it emotionally. It's hard on them to, it was really hard on Brian to kind of be abusive to a child. You know, that's hard. Um, so we tried to get it. So we did it in, I think, three takes. Uh, running two cameras and running the sound. And when it was over, we did that March shot. This is the last shot. I don't know, again, full of emotions. And the DP just looked right in my face and said, congratulations to you. He's done so many films and has so much experience. And then it was just a flood of emotions because we, we did it. We got it in the hand. We actually got it. And then Michelle, who was my right hand, so when I was always busy with the actual action of the film, Michelle is behind the scenes running everything, so she was my unit production manager. She was making sure that as soon as we got done at 2.30 in the morning, there was chili waiting for everyone, a big hot bowl of chili and cheese and, and drinks and hot coffees and, hot, and making sure that all of that was there for the actors. And, um, you know, I, I know it was a relief for her because you know, uh, Leslie, when you said, um, you know, you knew you had it in the can and, and our cinematographer said, you know, congratulations. I get the shivers just when you said that. I really do. Um, and I remember that moment. But I also remember thinking at that moment, do we have it in the can? Do we have a movie? Leslie, you think better than me. I'm like, what are we missing? What did we forget? What's going to what's, you know, because we hadn't seen it any, you know, just about any of it, you know. So I was still, you know, a nervous Nelly or just, you know, thinking, oh, do we do what it, you know. So um, and then also just feeding people um, super important to feed your cast and crew. We were on location down there. 
for you know six day weeks, three weeks in a row, people away from their families, it gets stressful. And uh, one big lesson learned is it's you know people feed them, feed them well. It's it's this seemingly basic thing, but it goes a long way um, to making the people. <laughs> you've asked to be with you for three intense weeks, very long days, happy or happier. It goes a long way. People really That's appreciate another, good food. Another thing, how the town stepped up for us. We went around literally door to door asking, hi, this is who we are. And this is what we're doing. Would you be willing to donate dinner <laughs> for one night for our cast and crew? And we had... I, I can't even tell you how many restaurants were like, oh, sure, sure. How many people are we feeding? I'm like 30. And they're like, you bet, we'll do that. And they they just wanted to be a part of it, you know? And it saved so much money on our budget, so much money. But also people got, you know, restaurant style food and they got fed very well. And it was great. It was, it was a great, great way to spread you know um the community and oh and some of the people who were on set that are locals were like oh we're having bill and beast night or you know <laughs> it was great it was great so that was a great way to help you know the community helped us out there too i couldn't believe how many restaurants said yes yeah sure we'll do that it's like oh really okay well then i'm gonna keep asking <laughs> isn't that surprising it's it so surprising and maybe also, because it is and surely has something to do with it being small towns down there. You know, I'm in Seattle. I don't think, I don't know, maybe the restaurants would, but not like they really stepped, they stepped up down there, like in a way that I think is just to me really surprising. I think, I think that it's, it's kind of like you have a different picture of other humans sometimes when you're not really spending time with people and you're not asking and you're not getting deep with other people. You assume a lot of the worst things about people. Oh, people are mean. They're, they won't, nobody helps each other out. There's a narrative of that. But when if the reality is very different than what the headline is often. The cur you pull the curtain back, so life is actually way different than what it's being projected to be. It sounds like that's what you found yeah. also. Yeah, that. just making that personal human connection with people it often produces a different outcome. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's an important message. Out, out, part of the whole process of making a movie is just the spirit of humans, of people, is much better than we think it is for yeah. that. And I, I've, I've lived all over the world, and I, I've always seen the goodness in people. There's so many people. It's, it's always different than what you think it is, especially if you expose yourself to that. I'm, I'm in the same part of the world. I'm in uh, Blaine, Washington. I understand the burn ban and all that stuff. So, no, oh, you're in Blaine. Jeez, I'm I didn't in Blaine. even know that. Yes. <laughs> we're, all, so we're all Pacific Northwestern. Yeah. Why were you in I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't asked, okay? <laughs> next time. Next time. What's the next movie? I'll be in it. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> It's, an, so, it's amazing, you know. So if you're in Blaine, you know, so you're close to Canada. I am. And uh, 
I don't know how much you know about like the local or just the film industry in general, but um, you know, Canada, Vancouver's just got it going on with yes. filming. They had they have had a huge film incentive for decades. Yes. Um, which has taken away a lot of the filming uh, from Washington. We used to do a lot more film, a lot more films here in Washington State. Um, but once that incentive hit in in Vancouver, and then the incentives and in all these other states came along, and Washington State never had a, a decent incentive. Oregon actually has a, a much or has had a much better incentive than, than Washington's ever had. So Washington kind of be, became known as the flyover state. Nobody, <laughs> nobody would which film here so it's it's been so it's a little sad that way but our we just got a new um a, we just got a significant film incentive um this this year it's going um th this coming year it was just approved so that's really cool to see that hopefully we'll get more bigger films and bigger budget more Talk money about here. that like you know the 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 you know the, the average viewer of this may not even know what incentive means yeah so, can you define that yeah, I can try. So Leslie, help me out. So, um, you know, if a studio or a, a bigger budget film wants to, you know, figure out where they're going to film the next, I don't know, big Marvel film. Uh, so big, big budget. Where do they go? So they've got big dollars to spend in a, any given state they choose. So states have come up with a tax incentive or like a tax credit for the money that they spend in that particular state. That studio, um, that production company gets the the tax back so they're spending it's to incentivize a production to come to your state and spend you know spend their big budget here so and usually there are caveats to that meaning that you have to hire x amount of people from the state so you have to have x amount of people working behind the camera so 20 percent of your uh, crew has to be from the state of washington and maybe five percent of your cast has to be from the state of Washington. You know, there are some little caveats that, you know, are applied to the incentive as well. But what it essentially is, is, you know, of the dollars that you, you, pre you present your budget when you're done with the film and out of that budget, you will get an incentive back um, after the film is, is in the can. And uh, it, it's a little bit of money that comes back to you and it can be a percentage of uh, whatever the state allows. Mm -hmm. And the, I think there's 37 states at least now that have some sort of significant tax incentive in their state to draw this, uh, to appeal to these studios. And uh, it's a huge range. Like, I mean, so Washington does have a tax incentive in the past. It's only been a few million dollars. Um, was it Louisiana, Georgia, now New Mexico, all these states, some of these states are, it's almost unlimited or it's hundreds of millions. I think one or two are considering just no cap at all. <laughs> that's, that's how beneficial they feel it is to their state. Washington's got to do it, man. Washington's one of the prettiest states in the United States. It's mind-blowingly beautiful. Like, yes. Like, Absolutely. Hands yes. down. A lot of commercials are filmed here in the summer because it's so beautiful. Oregon has similar terrain. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we made Washington, we made Washington look like Appalachia. You know, it, right. it's really flexible. It can look like a lot of different places. We have a lot of different um, geography here. The water, the mountains, the desert, the plains, yep. the Palouse, the rivers. I mean, the lake, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's an incredible state. Like, it's just it's so pretty, like, especially in the summertime. So it's surprising to me that there wouldn't be more filming here because it's like you could capture almost any movie landscape in, in yeah. this state. 
you know, it's like, it's, it's, so we are limited to a a 90 days, you know, in the summer, you know, because we get so much rain uh, that does deter a lot of filming. Um, But on the flip side, a lot of people come here in the summer because we have so much light and with such long days. Right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, (laughs) I'm up. I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. It's still light outside. What is going on here? It's like constant. And, and then birds waking you up at like 4 a.m. It's like, man, come on. It's like, yeah. right. <laughs> the whole thing. Almost, almost up to Alaska. Yeah. And then we're making um, sound stages. We got the Harbor Islands sound stage yeah. uh, here in Seattle. And there's a gorgeous new sound stage. I'm drawing a blank on the name. It begins with a V. Um, and uh, the east side of Seattle. So there's definitely um, kind of some exciting um investment coming to the area to build the infrastructure so oregon oregon's incentive leslie is do you know how many million like 20 i'm not sure now i I do know that it's 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 under review as well and uh, but you've had increase that as well because you know um every single time we've increased it we've gotten more and more and more we've had a lot of netflix projects um come here a considerable amount of Netflix projects. We have a CBS um, um, show that is filming here right now, but it's still under wraps. Um, we actually get a, a pretty decent amount of uh, television here. Okay. We so, had for many years. Right. Yeah, and before that, there was two others. It's escaping my memory right now, but. But yeah, we, we we've been somewhat. I mean, for, you know, <laughs> for small town USA, we yeah, we, we doing okay. So, what was it like watching your movie? Actually, like the first time, it's in the can, but like once the post production's done, the whole thing, and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna watch this. What was that like? Oh well, it, the thing about it is, is that you know, um, I edited the film, so I was the editor, and what I would do was every single day that I would, I would try to get through an entire scene of the, of the movie as I was editing it. And then at the end of the day, I was like, okay, I feel good with this. This is what I have here. So I would send it to Michelle and I would let Michelle watch it, you know, and then I would do another scene and, you know, and that's how we did the whole movie back and forth, back and forth. She would give feedback and, you know, Michelle has ears that are amazing. And she's like, you know what? I can kind of hear, I can hear some, something going on here. Is there another take that we can kind of, you know, put in here? Um, or she would give some opinion, you know, I, you know, this or that. And uh, I don't like this performance. Is there another? So, and that's how it went kind of back and forth and back and forth and, until we, you know, put it all together. And then we put the whole thing together and then we watch it in its bare bones state. So we watch it with no background music, no sound design. Um, and no special effects, no color correction. And you watch it and you go, oh. But that's true. That's, that's how every film is. You're like, oh. You know, try watching a horror film with no music and no sound effects. No. You literally hear people going, uh, 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 instead of, you know. And, and so it's kind of like, okay, this is what we have. So essentially what you have is, you have the gift that's in the box, right? And then you have to hand it over to your post-production. And that's where the magic happens. And that's where we had an 
incredible. I thought we had an incredible um, um, uh, uh, oh, composer. Uh, <laughs> the guy who does our music, our um, um, composer. Composer, thank you. We had an incredible composer who Michelle and I went into great detail, scene by scene by scene, what we were trying to emotionally convey here in each one of the scenes. And we talked in detail. I don't want any banjos. I don't want to insult the intelligence of this community. Um, I don't want banjos. I don't want harmonicas. I want don't want lift harp. I don't want any of that. We wanted heavy strings. And so we wanted this whole film really to be some like something that was made in the 90s. We wanted it very much like Steven Spielberg, Rob Reiner, um, Penny Marshall, you know, the films that I grew up loving because I don't feel like you see them anymore. And I feel like they're being lost. I feel like everything nowadays is all about kind of avant-garde, kind of weird, kind of dark. Um, and you just don't have a story anymore. Uh, this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And we, I, I wanted to go back to old fashioned storytelling. And a lot of the critics that, you know, if you look at our Rotten Tomatoes page, they got it. They're like, I can't believe someone did this. If you're actually looking for a film that is like old fashioned story, like this movie could have been something from that you would have seen in the 1990s. And that someone actually went back to the basics of filmmaking and made a current film with that, they were, you know, they were very supportive. You know, a lot of our critics are just really, you know, they got it. And um, so, like I said, once we got the film back from post-production, now our box with the gift in it had wrapping paper and it had bows and it had the gift bag. And then we watched the film and we're like. It just came okay. alive. It came alive. And I think that. We were, we were thrilled. We saw that we actually had a premiere um, at a theater here in Seattle. And that, like, in itself, like, watching the film on the big screen with the surround, Dolby surround sound, with all these people in the theater and just, just, just feeling their reaction, reactions as you're watching it there's nothing like it and i think that in itself was worth the whole experience the whole last three years to me is watching that film with an engaged audience and just feeling their reactions there is just like i just it was just so over the top satisfying for me i was like in tears wow and it was it did you say like oh i gotta do this again i need more of this like yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing like the theater and watching it with a live audience like that. Like, and so, you know, just going through COVID and we were thinking of applying to festivals and the festivals were, were not in person for two years at least. And it was, it's just, they're not, they're not the same. Um, it's so not the same to try to do a virtual festival. I think any filmmaker, anybody attending a virtual festival can agree, like there is just something about being in a theater, even just as an audience, just somebody in the audience, you know, think of the movies that you love the most. You're probably in a theater, just getting the reaction and the vibe, you know, from everybody else in the theater yes. 
watching it. It adds so much to watching it with others. It does. I mean, it's so funny. I was watching Forrest Gump again the other day for like, I don't know, the 50th time. Maybe that's a low number for me. And I remember it came out when I was 16. And and when it ended, I said, oh, I'll be back later on in the movie theaters today. The same day I saw it twice in the same day when I was 16. I just well, there's got so long movie too. that you can miss. Right? Yeah, there's I'm so just like, but the theater, the bigness of it and being there and the sound, it was like, I never forget that. And, you know, it's so getting that feeling, I think is really important, basically what you're saying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can glean so much of the emotions of other people in the audience yeah. that really add to the, the emotion that you feel. It's just like a funny movie when people are just laughing away. <laughs> yeah. It makes you like you think it's like world's funnier because contagious. everybody else is laughing. Yeah. yeah. It's very contagious. So where so where are we headed now? Like did Maysville, obviously you love your movie. You're maybe you're thinking, okay, we did we can do hard things. We could do this. What's right. the next project? What are the next ideas you're thinking about? <laughs> so we're waiting to see how how well uh, Maysville does. You know, so it's rolling out in the various different platforms. It mm-hmm. takes a long time to get um, to get the the data and you know the you know see how much money it makes and how much you know we've gotten really good reviews so that we've seen those come in, which has been great. But you know how well it does you know financially is one piece of the puzzle. Like okay, let's how well is this going to do? What you know do we have enough money to make? another film and what kind of film could we make for that money and and then leslie maybe you can talk to your other film ideas yeah i have i have about five other scripts that uh you know now that i'm not afraid to kind of show them Mm -hmm. you know i'm I'm not afraid to show that you know um that you know this is the kind of writer that i am and if you don't like it that's okay because there's no one that everybody likes. There's no movie that, there's no one film out there that everyone likes and everyone embraces. That may be forced now. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I am a, a huge fan of uh, Stephen King. Uh, I don't like horror, but I do like thrillers. Mm, me and too. So I have a lot of, um, a, a, a lot of very interesting uh, scripts. Um, that have a little bit more of a supernatural t- uh, side Ooh. to them. Wow, and, my type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> love that. So I, I would love to be able to play with that. I have a period, another period piece that actually involves. It's kind of for stumpish because it actually involves the Kennedys and the Rockefellers and the Goodyear, and I blend those three families in with a fictional family that I made up. So it's these families interacting with this family, and it kind of shows historically how things happen mm-hmm. uh, because of my fictitious family that I have made up. So it's exciting. I tell you what, I can't imagine how thrilling it must be to do something like this that takes a decent chunk of your life during a certain period, oh. and you're devoting like everything to it. I mean, bravo for getting something like this off the ground. And, Thank you. and uh, how satisfying it must be to watch something, you birth something. <laughs> it's you know? funny you say birth. I, I tell people like, you know, people, when people ask a question, you just ask, you know, what's next for you? And I say, you know, I think enough, it's like, it's like giving birth, you know, you give birth, 
and it's awful and painful and just <laughs> and you feel it, to, to be able to um, want to have another child and go through the pregnancy and the birth um, enough time needs to go by to kind of forget all that and just look at what you created and be like okay this is amazing I think I'm up for doing it again but enough time a little time needs to go by <laughs> but now we've had that time I feel right but at the same time we have it under our belt and we have expect we, we have a, an idea of what it takes and we know how long it takes and we also have connections and we have relationships uh, that we have built along the way. And I do think that moving, you know, if we're able to get to that next level and we're, ne we're ready to make that next film, I do think there are some things that are going to be a lot easier for us as far as, you know, getting it made and getting it done. So, I, you know, I would do it tomorrow if I had the money in my hand. Yeah. I really would. And I, I think, you know, I think Michelle would, would, would come along too. Um, just because, you know, it, it kind of is kind of addictive. Yeah. Because you, you know you can do it, but you want to make the next one even better, you know? And yes. you want, it, it's fun to play, be a part of the game. Yeah, I think so. It, it, well, it, listen, I'll be in your next movie. It's fine. I mean, you don't have to pay me. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. <laughs> Supernatural thriller? Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> you would be yeah, try everything perfect once. for my uh, subway scene. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Doesn't everybody want to chase in a subway I know, scene? like a like gritty New York City looking subway scene, like really dirty, you know, like crazy. Matrix level. Running, 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 running. Yeah, that type of thing. Wow, what a pleasure. Uh, to talk to you both about this. Please tell everyone how they could check out Maysville, um, how they can connect with you. Yes. So we're on Amazon, we're on Google Play, and YouTube, and uh, what am I forgetting, Liz? Tubi. Tubi, of course. How can Tubi. I forget Tubi? Uh, Tubi, you can actually watch the film for free. Uh, you just have to watch commercials. Oh, yeah, so if yeah. you're someone who does like to get popcorn or snacks during the film, it works out great. And uh, but you know, if you want a true theatrical experience, watch it more on Amazon and on uh, Google Play or YouTube. Watch it on those because you know when I watch a film, I want to watch the whole thing. I don't want to be interrupted. You know, I like to turn all the lights off in the house and have that experience. But and actually, if if you are um, on Amazon Prime, we just we are we are now free on Amazon Prime if you're a Prime member, um, and all of those things are great. And we do know now that we are currently available. We just became available in um, England, so you can see us in England and you can see us in Australia. And hopefully, within the next couple of months, we will be in Canada and the rest of Europe. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time being here. It's lovely to speak with you. And we got the Pacific Northwest connection going. Well represented. Um, it's all here, right? <laughs> the triangle right here. So thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, Leslie. And have a great rest thank of your you. day. You too. Thank Thanks you so for much. having us. Have a great day. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, Every note. or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, Cruising. 
in. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.